Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. All right, so a couple of things before we get going, just to kind of loosen you guys up. You look a little stiff this morning. So uh, while we were in New York, uh, we, we had some interesting identity issues. Like I encountered an eagle with an identity issue. He was watching me like a hawk. <laughs> Ashley's like, oh, these are dad jokes. Don't tell those. <laughs> uh, what identity does a member of the clergy have? I love this one. He has an alter ego. <laughs> yeah, that was lame. I will admit that first off for sure. What do you call a baker who has no identity? This should be easy. John Doe. <laughs> and finally, what is pink and goes moo? A pig with an identity crisis, of course. What else would it be? Come on. <laughs> All right, identity with purpose. Um, you know, something that I've been reading about and just people are dealing with is just what is going on in their life? Who are they really? Especially us as Christians, we struggle with what is it supposed to be like for us in this world? How are we supposed to engage it? Uh, what are we supposed to do to, to be Christian but not be offensive? Uh, to be able to communicate with people and kind of share our faith, but not in such a way that it's going to prevent people from either seeing Christ in us or hearing his voice. And so uh, the Lord kind of brought me to First Peter. Um, I was actually looking at some other passages. Um, but I want us to be encouraged this morning. I, I think it's so easy to go to the scripture and, you know, don't do this and don't do that. And, 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 and it's like it's always this kind of almost corrective. And this morning, I want us to kind of be uplifted by who we really are in Christ and, and how God sees us and that relationship thread that's there that should endear us to the Lord and want us to spend more time with him versus being um, apprehensive to come to the word or just to, to be fearful to come to God because we think, oh, he's probably not happy with the way I handled this or I'm dealing with this or whatever. I don't know what your circumstances are this morning. So hopefully, this morning, you're going to be encouraged by who God is and how he sees us and how he wants to uh, interact with us in a specific place. Now, I found so, an interesting, um, just kind of, it's somewhat concise, but if you're going to indulge me a little bit, I'm just going to give you the background or what was going on in the world when Peter wrote this. Because a lot of times we think, you know, the Bible... It's kind of this just mystery thing that happened once upon a time, and now we read it. And we don't kind of consider what was the world like then. And so hopefully this will give you kind of a, a, just a, a snippet into uh, what was going on around the time this book was written. So in July of the year, A.D. 64, a great fire broke out in the city of Rome. Soon the entire city was engulfed in flames. Hundreds of public buildings burned to the ground, thousands of houses destroyed, and most of the city's inhabitants were left homeless. History concludes that Emperor Nero set the fire to destroy the ramshackle buildings of Rome to make room to erect marble palaces and other monuments to his name. This event gave rise to the saying, Nero fiddled while Rome burned, even though the violin had not been yet invented. 
Historians of the time claim that Emperor Nero was seen looking over the city and enjoying the fire. The people were incensed to the point of revolution, so Nero created a scapegoat to blame for the fire, a group of people called Christians. These Christians followed a man named Christ about whom strange things were said. He had supposedly been crucified, then was raised to life again. There were wild rumors about the strange practices of his followers. These Christians were considered cannibals because they were talking about in meeting houses, drinking blood and eating the body of their master. They spoke about agape feasts where they greeted one another with a holy kiss and shared their innermost problems with each other. These stories became the basis for rumors of wild happenings. Christians were already subject to suspicion, so when Nero blamed them for the burning of Rome, the people of Rome believed him. With Rome's support, I'm sorry, with the people's support, Nero initiated a series of persecutions against the Christians. Christians were dipped in tar and burned alive as torches to light Nero's gardens when he threw an outdoor party. They were tied to chariots and dragged through the streets of Rome until dead. They were thrown to the lions. They were sealed up in leather bags and thrown into the water so that when the leather bag shrank, the Christians inside were squeezed and suffocated to death. In a hundred other cruelly invented ways, Nero exploited satanically inspired hatred against Christians and used them to satiate his own sadistic lusts. Uh, this time of unbelievable harsh persecution of Christians in Rome was the context for the epistle of First Peter. So we don't have it that bad right now, do we? <laughs> it could be worse. Um, and we have to think, in all of this, you know, people had been kind of dispersed because of this craziness. And there's still a reason why these things happen. God wants to use us in community. God wants to use us in relationship. And even though things are going on around us, who we are and how we conduct ourselves should be the determining factor that's going to allow people to see Christ, to see the difference in us, even when, with the label Christian, right, we stand strong because we know who's ultimately in control of these things. So this morning we're going to look at, all right, identity with purpose, starting in verse 9, uh, we're in 1 Peter chapter 2. Starting in verse 9, we'll go all the way through verse 12, but first we're going to just do a, the first portion of that, which is 9 and 10. You can read with me. Um, there's Bibles in the pews if you want to use those. The page number was probably up on the screen. But it goes this way. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once who were not a people, but are now a people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Pray with me again. <clears throat> Lord, as we come before you this morning, we ask that your word would not only renew our mind, transform our thinking, but Lord, it would enable us to, to hear your heart, to hear your personal feelings toward your people. Uh, we ask, Lord, that as your word goes out today, it will go out with power, it will go out with might, and it will transform people. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So who we are, okay? Um, and it's not just a people, we're a chosen people. And we have to remember that, you know, God was intimately involved in trying to get us to this place where we understand who he is and what he's done and 
what Christ has done from coming into the world. Now again, we're, we're talking to Christians. This book is talking to Christians. And so, you know, remembering that, I mean, some, I don't know about you, but there are days that you can wake up and just feel different. Where just, it's, there's just kind of like, you, you wake up and, you know, what's life really going on about? What, what am I really here for? What's supposed to really be happening? Um, and I don't know, maybe you don't have those days. I do from time to time because it's just sometimes when you look at the world and you see what's going on, you wonder, man, how is this all supposed to happen? How does God use these crazy circumstances? I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I never thought I would see some of the stuff that's going down in our world. And here it is. And so for this, I mean, it, 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 God was intimately involved in bringing me into his family, bringing me to this place in my life, and he used some really crazy circumstances. Because, I mean, if you knew me a long time ago, I never would have said, oh, yeah, I'll be a pastor one day, and I'll be standing in front of people talking about the word of God. Never. <laughs> but yet here I am. And that's all attributed to God moving in my life and using circumstances that gave me the confidence in him to do the things that needed to happen in my life to bring me to this place. Um, and it's, like, it's cool because it's like my confidence to stand up here and talk about the word of God is not found in me at all. It's only in him. And it's like, and he's used some really cool situations in my life to provide that for me that allow me to walk up these stairs and say anything. And, and the fact that, you know, he's chosen you too. You're not just some random person who stumbled into the Christian life. It's not how it worked. God chose you and he's been working through crazy things in your life and circumstances in your life to bring you to a place and then to continue to grow you, continue to mature you. And so we can't think that all of this stuff is random. That's why I am so fixated on God has something in these circumstances for us. I mean, as it was, I mean, I, I'm thankful for the fact that, you know, we've been ahead of some of these things that could have really caused some problems for us. We were live streaming before it was needed, okay? And I know that sounds like, oh, that's a big deal, but the word of God was able to continue to go out really without a beat because that was kind of already in place. And God had moved in the people here, moved in the tech team that, hey, we need to start growing this and doing more of this, which you'll be hearing some more about that soon. But it's those things that we can't just think no one's in control because God is in control. Like even this morning, the songs that, you know, God moved Melanie to pick, they're perfect because we're going to talk about being alone in a little while. And it's, it's one of those things where if you're looking, you'll see his hand. If you're waiting on him, you'll see him moving through people, through circumstances, through situations. But you've got to be involved in that. Also, it says we are a royal priesthood. And again, I want to, each of these things, it's more than just one. So we're not just a people, we are a chosen people. We're not just a priesthood, we are a royal priesthood. And again, that, that whole idea is coming from that picture we saw where, you know, who was able to go into the Holy of Holies and who was able to, to 
have that conversation with God and meet with God in that very special time and place. But now we are offered that community with him. I think, I mean, that blows my mind when you think about it. We have an opportunity at any moment to just talk to God directly without any special sacrifice, because Christ's sacrifice was enough. And that affords us this royal priesthood where we can meet with him and talk with him and share our hearts with him. And that, to me, that's huge. Uh, and this whole idea is, you know, a royal priesthood, the, the words that kind of form this together, a people dedicated and offered to God, special and holy, set apart for God. And so, you know, we have to remember that God wants so much for us in a spiritual place, in a holy place, which is the next thing, you know, a holy nation. So a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And do you see how this is kind of growing out and growing out and growing out? I mean, a holy nation, a country of his people. And how is that going to happen? How is that going to happen? We're his people. You know, if you're calling yourself Christian here today, somehow, some way, the message got to you. How do we perpetuate it? How do we keep it going? Because there, there's got to be something that has to happen. It just doesn't kind of fall from the sky and suddenly hit our heads and go, mm, I think I'll become a Christian today. No. <laughs> think about how you were drawn to the Lord. Think about who communicated with you, who was involved with your Christian experience, and how that all came together. And God wants us part of that. Some of the most incredible moments of my life have been seeing God change a heart in front of me when they finally realize that their sin has been paid, that their debt has been paid by Christ, and that they don't have to try to outdo you know, the bad things in their life for good things. And they surrender. That is just unbelievable to be a part of. And God wants us to be a part of that. He wants us to perpetuate the holy nation. But then it goes on to say, you know, and you are God's own special people. And I think, you know, most mornings when we wake up, we don't feel any of these things. We don't feel like we're chosen people. We don't feel like we're a royal priesthood. We don't feel like we're a holy nation. We don't feel like we're God's own special people. We're just exhausted and trying to encounter the day. But we have got to come to grips with and bring a focus to our life. This is who we are. Because when we start to understand that's who we are, it's going to impact the way we live. It's going to impact the choices we make. It's going to also draw us into a better relationship with God because it's going to call us up. It's going to call us up to live in a certain way. And it's going to be different for all of us. Um, 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I think we struggle with the old has passed away uh, because we remember it. We think, ugh, how can it be passed away? I can still remember it. It's still there. And I think the, the reason why God gives it to us to, to linger 
is to help us grow from it. Um, you know, I have a conversation with my wife and she does different studies and she's like, you know, we, from time to time we deal with, you know, people dealing with regret. And I think, you know, if, if we can learn from our past, learn from mistakes, learn from those things, we don't have to have regret. I think you regret something if you never learn anything from it. But if you can look back and take a situation and go, okay, you know, I was ignorant here or I was foolish here or, you know, I didn't do my part here, then we can grow and we can move forward and it doesn't have to be a regret anymore. It can be something that has transformed us, something that has brought us further down the road. And so it's, you know, but the enemy wants us to, to be stunted by our past, stunted by our mistakes, held back from those things that, you know, he can keep kind of putting us under his thumb with. The cool part is, is we are new creations in Christ. That's where we've got to keep our focus. And it's like, yes, we had a past. And I think, you know, we need to have that involved in our life too because it's like, that's how I know for me. That keeps me humble. I can go back and there's countless things that I, <laughs> please don't. But that keeps me humble because it's a reminder without God in my life, without Christ in my life, I would be that or worse on my own. And so with Christ, I am this other person. I am this chosen, royal, holy. And it's like that calls me up all the time. It calls me up to, to be the man I need to be, to be the husband I need to be, to be the father, the friend, the pastor I need to be. And not that it's, it's this unattainable thing because it's, you know, Christ's strength is what provides this. And it's me really living in the spirit that does this. And guess what? When you do it that way, it's joyful. And not only that, it's, it's one of those things where God fills me up with the, the capacity to do that. And hopefully everything you're getting today from me is out of the overflowing of my week in time with him. Because I needed so much of this to, uh, today for myself. And God just continued to fill, continued to fill, continued to fill. And hopefully now it's overflowing into your life so that you can be filled up as well and overflow into other people's lives. So one of those things we have to realize as this new creation, and our song sang it, which was awesome, you are not alone, right? Because you look at all these people around us, chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, God's own special people, plural, 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 plural. There's a bunch of us. And we can't, we can't forget that. Because one of the things I deal with in the counseling room all the time is, I'm probably the only one who's dealing with this. <laughs> oh, man. And that's, you know, that is the lie of the enemy. Every single person, I'm confident, every single person in this room is struggling with something, which is hard. But you are not alone. We are all dealing with different stuff and different things. And some of, the, some of us are dealing with the exact same thing you are. And that's why if we can find each other out and talk about these things, we can feel a little bit more united and a little bit more connected. But you are not alone. And it's interesting. Um, on vacation, our, you know, we had a big family vacation. We do that. We've been doing that for years now. And our kids got us kind of hooked on or sunk into this show called Alone. It's a reality series on the History Channel. I don't know, anybody familiar with it? Oh, a couple of people, all right, yeah. 
It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. They whittled down this group of 10. Uh, the first season was all men. The next season had a couple of women, which I don't know. Wow. But anyways, they go out to Vancouver Island, which is like a rainforest. <laughs> it's raining all the time. There's everything. It's dense, dense forest. And they, they ship them out there individually. They get it down to 10, and then they're all kind of shotgunned through Vancouver Island. And they give, they give them 10 things they can take, and then they will either drop them off on a boat or drop them off with a helicopter, whichever they can kind of get the closest to the land with. And they're like, okay, see ya. And, and it's, they give them cameras. They, well, they give them 70 pounds worth of camera equipment that then they've got to chronicle this craziness on. And it's just, it's unbelievable. Because it's like, there are some people where, I mean, it was hours, and they were like, I can't do this without my family. I can't do this without, and hours into it, they're like, they're, they give them this, you know, they call it the yellow brick, and it's like a satellite phone that says, okay, I'm tapping out, get me out of here. And I mean, there are some people who hours into it, the alone, the quiet, the, because the, there's, there's no cell phones, there's no TV, there's nothing. I mean, you've got to, the first thing you're gonna do is figure out how you're gonna make it through the night with all this rain and try to have some kind of shelter and then find a food source and all of this stuff. And it's just crazy. But the one thing that I've seen time and time and time again, that even as some of these people have been able to endure days, the loneliness, especially someone who's, who has a family, they are cut to the core. You know, if they have children, they are even more devastated by the fact that they're missing things and they're not part of these things. And loneliness can become this incredible, incredible thing. Um, oh, I'm not going to quote it because I can't remember it. But just the whole idea of um, suicide right now and what it's doing because of the circumstances we're in, because people are isolated and alone, it is growing to crazy numbers. Um, I wish I could remember the statistic, but it's like it is growing so great. And loneliness creates some crazy stuff in our life. And I know even, it was interesting, even for my father-in-law, you know, he started to develop a severe hearing loss. And that started to isolate him because he got frustrated because he couldn't hear people and he didn't want them to repeat stuff. And so he kind of separated himself from the family for a while until he finally got hearing aids. And all of a sudden, boom, he was back to the same person he used to be because he could be involved again. We are designed for community. We are designed for people. We are designed to interact. And you can see when we are alone, it does dangerous, dangerous things for us. And so that's why we have to remember, especially as Christians, this is so important for us. And not only that, yes, it's part of our identity if we're calling ourselves Christian, but there's a purpose here. And part of that purpose is talking about what we're dealing with in our lives. And the thing is, is the enemy wants to keep us separated and keep us apart. And so it's like, you know, in our heads, we have these, oh, if you say that, give it, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll kick you out. There, it's interesting. There are different people who we have talked to over the years where, you know, their thinking first coming in is, oh boy, all these people are perfect and my life is a mess. <laughs> who, who has the perfect lives here? Who are the ones? So we can point you out and point people to you. <laughs> None of us, right? We all have our stuff. It's all crazy. 
but it's like it's one of those things where we think that that we are the you know the orphan one that no one knows or no one has and if we can start connecting together and realizing that you know what god has put us together for a reason and it's a lot of that is to bring health to bring healing to bring growth to one another uh, it changes how we start to live it changes what we do and where we go all right a couple other things you have something to proclaim you know the, the last part of 9b there it says you know his own pe special people that you may proclaim the praises of him i mean i've told you this time and time again but it's like i know without christ i'm always going to choose destruction because that's that's who i am as a human being and that it was hard to come to terms with that right because most of us you know, oh, I'm a pretty good person. I'm an okay person. But when I came to grips with, no, I'm always going to choose self-destruction on my own. It's all, every good thing, right? James talks about every good thing, every perfect thing comes down from the Father of lights. Everything that's good, everything that's perfect comes down from him. So all of those choices I make, it's because he's shown me those choices and I've trusted him. It's so cool. But we need to be talking about that called out of darkness, called into the marvelous light, being a son or daughter of God. I mean, that humbles me incredibly. Because it's like we're not just this kind of quasi-stepchild sort of thing with him. God doesn't see us that way. He sees us as sons. He sees us as daughters, part of his family. That's part of that royal priesthood. That's where that comes from. And I, that just, it humbles me because it shows the power of Christ's sacrifice so much. Because it, it took care of all the bad, all the nasty stuff, all the gruesome stuff. And it provided so much positive and so much good for us. And as, to, to me, it's, it's humbling. And then, you know, the whole idea, and we can talk about mercy in a little bit, but the whole idea, too, of just grace and how we need to be living in that grace. We need to be providing that grace to other people. Um, it's easy to become judgmental. It's easy to be critical. It's easy to point a finger. But God doesn't do that with us. He provides grace. He provides mercy. Um, and then 10b, it talks about the whole idea. You have not... Those who were not a people, but now are people, but who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where we're not getting what we deserve to get. And it's, it's you know, one of those things where I have to check myself on a regular basis. Uh, one of the things that attracted me to my wife is she is filled with mercy. And I think she got my portion, because I have none. <laughs> God's trying to draw a balance or something. Um, but it's, it's just it's one of those things where, you know, mercy is, you know, not giving somebody what they do deserve. And, and God is a master of that. And Christ had to do something to impact that. And... There's so much that I don't receive because of God's mercy that I should, because of some choices I make or things I do. And so it's, it humbles me on a regular basis.
Titus 3.5 challenges us this way. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And again, it goes back to that 2 Corinthians verse, but it's just like, we are new creations. And we've got to remember that that is our identity. The past is gone. And we can't keep digging it up. We can't keep letting it rob us of today and rob us of tomorrow. And the one thing, and I don't know, you may have heard me say this once or twice, but the truth is what God says, no matter how I feel. And that's where living in truth and allowing truth to set you free comes into play. Because it's like, you know, there are days I don't feel holy. I don't feel righteous. I don't feel forgiven. But I am. We've got to continually do whatever it takes to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ, who we are in Christ. Because it's like there are, there, there are times we're not going to feel that way. And we can't let feelings dictate who we are and how we live. We can't. So a couple questions, and then we'll crank on here. How do you view your identity? A sum of all the actions connected to you by yourself or others? Or a chosen people, royal priesthood, holy nation, one of God's special people? I hope that's how you see yourself. And I hope you can continually put yourself there. But then secondarily, it says, do you see your identity reflecting how people may or may not understand the Christian life. And I say that to encourage you and to build you up in the sense of, I don't want you to be about appearances, but I do want you to capitalize on how we live our life, the choices that we make, the attitudes that we present can become something so powerful because they provide opportunities for us to give a testimony, be a witness, proclaim the truth of God. And so they, they create some things. And so I'm not trying to say, you know, oh, you're living, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to do that. In fact, you know, every time I stand here, I'm trying, I have that tendency to go, oh, we need to be doing these things. But my goal and my heart is we have these opportunities that if we capitalize on a spoken word or a certain thing that we do or do not do, it can open a door. You know, Walt calls it jiggling the handle. Uh, being a Christian, Christian doesn't mean we are perfect, uh, but it should mean we are different from the world and that they are able to see that difference in our speech, attitudes, conduct, responses, relationships, and how we live our lives. It, it, there should be a difference there. there it requires. Because <laughs> it's like, think about it. If we aren't different from the world, what difference does Christ really make then? What difference does it make? There should be a difference. All right, going on to verse 11. It says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. So challenging. <laughs> Because it's like, it's not say if they, it's when they. It's going to happen. So, I mean, we should be prepared for some of this stuff. But some of the, you know, what we do, uh, you know, we need to live as sojourners. And you're like, what on earth is that? Glad you asked. 
Uh, but it's, it's someone who stays temporary is really kind of what the meaning of that word is trying to convey. That, you know, this is not our home. It's just kind of a temporary spot. It's sort of a dwelling place. Um, we must remain focused on our homeland. Um, you know, I guess it's a thing that comes with age because I'm starting to get to that place where it's like, I can't wait to be in heaven. <laughs> and I can't wait to have all of this craziness be behind me because it's gonna be so much better there. You know, and that's the thing, we're looking for that. You know, can you imagine if all of a sudden heaven is just this trial-filled thing? <laughs> but I'm sure we'd have a different attitude and everything, but it's not, because <laughs> we trust what God's word says, and it says it's definitely none of those things. Uh, but but I, I have those wild thoughts in my mind from time to time. Live as sojourners, live as pilgrims. And again, the, the, the Greek word there is kind of gives us resident foreigners, which is kind of an interesting, it's like, okay, yes, you're supposed to live here, you're supposed to develop a life here, but you're supposed to remember where you're going, who you really are, who you're really connected to. And so it's one of those things where you have this kind of dual life. Um, and it's, it's interesting, uh, you know, I think about Amber and she's, you know, part of her heart is in Portugal, and part of her heart is here, and she's waiting for all that stuff to kind of come together. Uh, there was just uh, an interesting um, 2020 that was talking about how there's a lot of, I didn't realize it was so pervasive, but there's a lot of couples out there that some of them are in Europe or other countries and in the United States, and corona has kept people apart, and it's just, it's been an interesting situation for people to try to get back together and keep life going. Um, but part of that challenge is living as, soldier, living as sojourners, living as pilgrims, is abstaining from fleshly lusts uh, because they war against the soul. And that's, you know, again, God's more concerned about the inside. He wants us to protect the inside because he knows that's how we live. That's what comes out. Whatever's inside comes out. And so there, and again, look at the, it's a war. There's a war going on. And so we, we've got to be mindful that it's, it's, this isn't just kind of a, oh, you know, there's a little disturbance in the force. No, there's a full-out war going on because there's, there's opposition happening. First uh, John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, is not of the Father, but of this world. So it's, again, it's keeping that, that pilgrim status, that sojourner status where it's like, okay, we can't adopt the practices of the world because they're going to be harmful to us. They're going to hurt our soul. We've got to look at those other things. Ephesians 6.12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And so it's like this war is happening around us, and it's a full-out war. And so it's one of those things where, on one hand, you should be like, oh, a war. But on another hand, you're like, we have the victor of the war. He's dad. He's my dad. And it's like, all I need to do is stay within the boundaries of his yard and live the, in, in these principles that he's provided. And I will be protected. I will be cared for. I will even be blessed as a result of it. 
And that, that's the whole idea of this. When we connect with our identity and connect with the purpose of it, it it's just, it's learning to live within a context. And life does become easier. Not problem-free, <laughs> not perfect, but it does become easier. I mean, one of the things I have learned, and it took years, getting upset over anything that goes wrong doesn't fix it. <laughs> It doesn't fix it. Isn't that the craziest thing? If I have a tantrum because the pipe is leaking, it doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> so then, you know, it's like, all right, so what do I do? You know, and most of these things for us, right, we have to throw money at it. <laughs> and that's what fixes so many things. But again, I can say with confidence before you today, and we've had some interesting situations. I mean, we, back earlier in our marriage, we, we had almost very, we had very little money. And that's because we were in ministry and we, God, in fact, he, he, that's, that was, that situation is what gave me total confidence that God will meet my needs. Um, I, was, I was making very good money and called into the ministry. And then the ministry that called me was saying, okay, we're going to pay you $25,000 a year to live on everything. And I was like, what? <laughs> I have a family. It's not just me. Oh, and we know. And that's, that's why you're getting that much. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. But the thing was, is, and I wrestled with that. I wrestled with that because it's like, I am a man of God, and God calls me to take care of my family and be responsible to them and to provide for them. And is that just foolishness to, to, to agree to that? And God said, do you trust me as your father to take care of you if that's where I've led you? And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he wasn't happy with that. And he was, so he challenged me a little more, grew me a little bit more, and got me to this place where it's like, of course God's going to take care of me. Of course he's going to meet my needs. If he, he's called me here, he's, he's brought me here, my heart is here. Okay, I'm, I'm in it to win it. And it's like, Lord, yes, you've called me here. This is what's available. And guess what? You know, this is literally, you know, bread and fish. <laughs> so it's like, start breaking it up and making it more. Because it's like, that's what you're going to have to do. And he did. I mean, I'll tell you, we did things, $25,000 a year, that I never thought was possible because God's a faithful father and he will provide for you. And, and now, I'm not telling any of you, God's going to lead you there if that's your story and that's your road. Okay, but that was mine. And that's what he did for me. And it was unbelievable. And he grew me and he grew my family. And it was, it's incredible what that decision did for our family. And God has continued to bless and grow and grow and bless and grow and bless. And he's moved me along in the journey. But he is a faithful father. And I know that's, that's all that's monetary, but there are so many other things of faith and things of blessing and things of growth that God also did in our lives as husband and wife and as parents and family. And it's just incredible. And... and it's coming to grips with that identity and then also being involved with what that identity proves who you are to be. And it's living out the Christian life. 
Um, verse 12, it says, you know, conduct, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. And I think sometimes we can think, these are unsafe people, they don't care, who, what does it matter how I live? And that's not what we're called to here. You know, we're representatives, and we have to remember we're representatives of God. Uh, and, you know, they are going to speak. Unbelievers are going to speak evil. I find it interesting that, you know, the unbelieving world knows exactly how we're supposed to live as Christians. <laughs> they know what we're supposed to do. They know what we're not supposed to do and how we're supposed to live. I find that amusing. So I, sometimes I use that as an uh, opportunity to say, well, let's talk about that. <laughs> Gives you an opportunity. Peter expects Christians to live positive, hopeful, exemplary lives that people will be eager to know why. Be prepared to tell them. 1 Timothy 4.8 tells us this, bodily training is of some value, but godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for this life and also for the life to come. So it's like there is a great opportunity. A um, couple questions. We're almost there, the end, the home run. If someone could shadow you for a week, what would they conclude about your spiritual life? Again, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm not saying you're, you know, but it's like there should be a spiritual element to your life and how you live and the decisions that you make that's obvious. Um, and, and a lot of that is because you know who you are in Christ that those things happen. Um, is your conduct honorable at all times? or only when you think it matters. And that's the part that, you know, it's, you know, we aren't alone. God is always with us, and he sees all of it. And, you know, I've fallen short here. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying I'm above this by any stretch of the imagination. I have stuff that, oh, why did I say that, or why did I do that, or I've gotten upset over things that are just dumb. And, you know, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, sorry, I am. <laughs> Sorry, Dad, I did it again. But it's like, even in those things, there are times when I've blown it as a believer and it's given me an opportunity to go back to say, hey, look, I say I'm a Christian and I did not act like one with that comment or that behavior or that situation. And, you know, this is why. And you have an opportunity to kind of lay out the gospel. And sometimes... Even those, those can be the only time when someone goes, wow, I never saw that coming. You're apologizing to me because you blew it? Because you acted like I act all the time? <laughs> it's kind of wild. Quick story, and then we are totally done and out of here. Um, it's, a, it's an immigration story that I, I bumped into, and it's about a lady called Mei Shi. And she's a, she was a Chinese immigrant. Um, are any of you familiar with, did I write it down? Yes, Chesapeake Bay Candle Company. Okay, a few of you are, yeah. It came out of nowhere. Actually, she's the founder of it. Well, she entered the US from China in 1991. Uh, and she kind of had a dream to become this kind of diplomat and an emissary really for her country. Um, and she's, she talks about, it was interesting, when she got here, she landed, and she's, you know, there's lines, and in 1991, there was U.S. citizens with passports and then aliens. And she's like, I was very confused. Because <laughs> she says, when I saw aliens, all I thought was, you know, spacing, you know, encounters of the third kind or some other kind of alien thing. 
And so it took me a while to kind of really figure out which one I had to be in. And she ended up in the alien line and going through and all that kind of stuff happened. Um, as she came into America, she kind of got connected to the New York area, as many people do. And she loved all the shopping and everything. And she kind of fell in love with Bloomingdale's and thought, I want to make candles to, bring, to be in this store which is interesting, but anyways, that was her dream. And so in 1994, so you look three years later, she founded the Chesapeake Bay Candle Company, which is large. I was shocked at how big it is. It's an international company now. Uh, but she founded this in her garage <laughs> and created this candle company and it, she got it in Bloomingdale's and Target. And like I said, it's international. Um, and then eventually in 2011, um, she became so integrated into uh, just international things that she was asked to be on a presidential board of advisors because she had kind of brought her life to these places in a very interesting way from 1991 to just being involved with her company and entrepreneurs that were out, other immigrants as well and kind of passing along her information, or her, how she did what she did. And so Beijing's progression was she went from an alien, she became a citizen of the United States, and then she became a representative of the United States as she got involved with politics and some of these international things that she was starting to do. And I couldn't help but think you know, that is very um, picturesque of who we need to be as Christians. Because you know, what, what Peter's telling us is you know, there was a time when we weren't God's people. We were aliens to the to heavenly realm. And we became citizens as we trusted what Christ did for us. As we trusted his death, burial, and resurrection to pay for our sin. And then now that we are his, and now that we are his sons and daughters, we need to grow to that place where we are his representatives. Where we're living in such a way, and we're helping other people understand what that means to them and helping them understand that there's so much more to be had than to just kind of making it through every day and making it to the end of this life. I mean, don't you want a life that's rich and full and blessed? That is possible, even with some of the challenges that we're dealt with as families and as individuals. But that takes time with God, time in his word, and being open to understanding who we are in Christ and bringing purpose to that identity. So hopefully that's challenged you. <laughs> hopefully that's uplifted you. I, that's the bigger thing. You know, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. I, I hope you, you leave here thinking, wow, God has provided so much for me in Christ and then allowing that to then dictate how you live this week. So pray. Lord, we do come before you, and we are thankful. You are such a faithful father. And Lord, you have so much for us. Uh, you, know, you, you challenge us. You know, if, if earthly fathers want to do these great things for their kids, how much more do I want to for mine? And Lord, help us not to miss that or miss out on that. Uh, Lord, endure us to you in such a way that we feel your touch in our lives, hear your voice. Uh, see your hands working in such a way that we continue to grow closer to you versus further apart. I ask, Lord, that each one of us that are here today, whether online or in, on campus, Lord, that our lives this week would touch somebody else in such a way that they would ask about you 
and uh, what makes our lives different because you're in it. And uh, we trust you to work throughout this week. Uh, we ask for you to also be in our planning process for this fall so that we can have ministry happen the way you want it to happen. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have an excellent week. Thank you guys so much for being here.